It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Well, Kirk Cameron came to fame playing teenager Mike Seaver on the uh, 1980s television sitcom Growing Pains. But, you know, if you're under a certain age, uh, and I'm not even going to say what that age is, um, you may probably only know him as the actor and producer of Christian-based films and, and entertainment content. And about a decade ago, he teamed up with the Kendrick brothers for the successful film Fireproof. It's about how to save a marriage using the faith of of um, of uh, Christianity and the cross and understanding how, um, you know, Jesus looks at husband and wife. And now um, Kirk has joined them uh, again in the, the Kendrick brothers again in the movie Life Mark. And it's based on a true story about the beauty of adoption and the power of a choice. And Kirk joins me now. Welcome. Thank, uh, first of all, thank you for making this film. You know, oh, you're welcome. Oh, it was my joy and pleasure to make this film. And it's, it's great to be talking with you again. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, it's so great to hear you. And, you know, I have so many questions about you personally, because you were one of these stories where you think, OK, he you know, he, he was a star in the 1980s in this really great uh, sitcom Growing Pains. He's really popular on Teen Beat and all of those magazines and all that kind of stuff. And then we find out he's like this Christian. He's not like, it's almost like the world would rather have you be some drugged, druggy, uh, you know, wasted in some halfway house right now. Um, they're actually afraid right. of you as a Christian. <laughs> I know. I'm sort of, ho- uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm a Hollywood prodigal of sorts in that I'm not in jail, uh, <laughs> strung out on drugs and cheating on my wife. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what, 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 where did you What's go wrong, wrong Kirk? Where, where did you go wrong? Yes. <laughs> but that's an interesting yeah. story about you. Like, why, how did, how did that transition happen for you? Were you always a Christian when you, even when you were on growing no. kids? No, 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 no. Uh, so when I, when I grew up, I have great mom and dad and three sisters, and um, we had a wonderful life when I was a little kid, got to start working on growing pains, never went to church, didn't believe in God, had no faith. And uh, it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 years old that uh, a pretty girl invited me to uh, come meet her family, and she invited me to church mm. to do that. And, and I heard a message that, that, that really captivated me. It challenged my intellect. It, um, it really sort of arrested my conscience. And it was the message uh, from a preacher, uh, and it was the message of God's, both his goodness and grace, but also his holiness and uh, where I stood in relationship to that kind of a God. And uh, it challenged me to, to really look, look in and, and look up and say, you know, I don't know everything. God, if you're there, would you show me? Mm-hmm. Would you show me the way? And that led to a journey of me um, pursuing the claims of the gospel. And I became a follower of Jesus at about 18 years old. And that was like 35 years ago. <laughs> and now, and now I'm I'm working on projects that I'm passionate about, and they usually have uh, at their root some kind of a faith-driven message. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, it's very interesting because, so I mean, I look at your life and it's like, wow, boy, somebody must have either been praying for you somewhere in that world to bring you to that kind of um, environment. And it was the was the young girl who brought you to the church. Was she the one you actually married? Um, no, no. This was this was a different friend. Um, I worked I worked with her on Growing Pains, and um, we became friends. But that never uh, worked out in terms of a long term relationship. And then I met my wife uh, a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And you met her and, on uh, Growing Pains, right? You were, and I met her on Growing Pains as well. Yeah. Was she so, an actress, yeah, or right. she was was she just uh, she in the was an actress too? My wife Chelsea played my girlfriend on Growing Pains <laughs> for for uh, a few years. So I, I tell people I, I married Mike Seaver's girlfriend. I stole her away from him. And uh, we've been married now for 31 years. We have six kids. Four of them are adopted. And um, that, I think that's why I'm so excited about this movie Life Mark that we uh, have coming out this weekend, because it, as you said, it celebrates not only the power uh, of, uh, of an important choice, like what do you do in, in an unplanned pregnancy situation, but it also celebrates the uh, value of life and yeah. the beauty of adoption. Yeah. I mean, this movie is just, when I started watching it, I it never occurred to me that it was a true story. It just says, oh, this is a nice story. And the Kendrick brothers are involved and I get that. And you know them and they know you and, they, you know, because they do some great stuff. And, mm. and I was looking at this story and boy, boy when, um, when the biological mother meets her son, as a teenager and she sees him for the first time and you know what kind of pain she suffered when she handed that baby over to be adopted and you see her yeah. embrace him i'll tell you um there oh, you just you lose it yeah you lose it yeah, it's <laughs> totally lose it it's just it's just and then and then to know that it's and i didn't realize it was a true story until the end and saw the pictures and I realized, oh, my gosh, that's the story. I lived on Parker Avenue. That's right. And then to see the and, documentary and you got to go and the, and the same tears come when you actually see the thing again. It's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, it, it, this was such a moving experience for all of us to make. Um, w- w- the way this started was back in 2019, uh, just before the, the pandemic. My my wife um, had sent me a link to watch this documentary. Uh, mm-hmm. about this 18-year-old girl who makes the choice of adoption over abortion. And uh, he gets adopted into this wonderful, loving family. He grows up. He has a chance to meet her. And and the whole story, I watched this documentary, and it so grabbed my heart because I'm also an adoptive father. So right. uh, we have four adopted kids. My wife is also an adopted child. I'm so forever thankful for those men and women who chose to love their baby and give them a chance to live. Um, that I said, wow, we've got to turn this into a movie. So uh, I called the Kendrick brothers and said, would you guys just vet this, check it out? Am I crazy to try to do this? And they said, not only do we think this is a good idea for a movie, we want to make it with you. Wow. wow. So we got to know the, the, the families and we interviewed them and everything you see in the movie is how things really happened. The skydiving, the cliff jumping, the ATV racing, they really did all of that. And, uh, her uh, last minute decision as she rolls off of the abortion table and changes her mind, um, all of the characters, everything was the way that it really happened. So we didn't have to script it, make it up, create dialogue. Uh, there was no way we could have told a better story if we had made it up. It's uh, really fascinating it because once, you know, I saw the 
documentary after the movie and I realized, oh my gosh, that's the same dialogue. It's it's yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. It's like she actually said that. And what was so powerful is to go to that abortion clinic where she almost aborted this child, and um, it, it, to see her your description. And I didn't realize what they did was that they cover her face with something and then they put the radios next to their ears so they won't hear the protesters out, you know, when she, when they're coming in to have right. the abortion. And then when she leaves, though, there's nobody to get her out. There's nobody to walk her out. It's just she's on her own. And she had not had the abortion, but nobody, no, 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 the protesters actually knew that, um, which That's I right. think is quite powerful. They, they they try to get you in but and get you in as best they can, but they have, there's no comfort for you when you leave, you know? You know, uh, Lauren, it, it's, it's what I love about life, Mark, is um, it's a, yes, it's a true story. And, and I think that's one of the things that we forget when we get into these political arguments and debates with people, it's all about, you know, tricky words and phrases mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. bodily autonomy and uh, healthcare. Um, and we start talking about all of this as though it exists in some kind of a vacuum. And Lifemark says, no, 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 no. This is a 17-year-old girl and an 18-year-old boy. They're struggling with this. They love each other. And she loves her baby, too. She can't just turn this off. She wants to do what's best for her child as well. And then when you see the way the whole story plays out, you say, life is precious. It is beautiful. Look at how not only adoption was, was was a solution to a difficult situation for this young girl, but also... Look what it did for the birth father years later to yeah. meet his son, thinking that he probably hated him all of these years for that decision. And it turns out he wraps them up in these loving embraces and says, you know, no, I came to say thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me my life. I love the family that raised me and I am so grateful for you. Yeah. You're a hero in my in my life. And that just changed that, I mean, that turned their heart, that changed their their whole future. And and we're really talking about people's lives. And I think of all the people in our country who have been touched by the subject of either adoption yeah. or abortion, who are looking for healing and closure and hope and reconciliation and forgiveness. And LifeMark has all of that in there. So we're just telling people, please go opening weekend. Make time. Just go to lifemarkmovie.com and type in your zip code. It'll show you the theater that's playing at near you. And uh, that will send a message to Hollywood that we want more movies that celebrate yeah. faith and virtue uh, and, and, and protect and preserve life. You know, what was it like on the set? Because, uh, you know, it's different. Faith-based, faith-based, faith-based movies are different. <laughs> it's hard to say, but... They're different um, because the Kendrick brothers talked about every day they had prayer uh, to get the day started. I mean, what was it like on the set? Was it like that? This was my favorite movie set. And the Kendricks have uh, made a tradition of this. We show up uh, at 730 in the morning or seven o'clock, whenever the call time is. And people are actually paid to sit down and have a delicious breakfast with everyone (laughs) on the crew. It's pancakes. It's bacon. It's egg. It's it coffee, everything. And every day there's someone new who will get up and share a little five minute story or inspirational message, read a verse of scripture from the Bible and pray just to thank God for the privilege of telling 
a story that's going to impact the nation wow. and and celebrate life. It's it's the way we should all start our day. Uh, and, yeah. and they actually bake it into the workday and pay you to be there. It's wonderful. <laughs> that is amazing. You know, um, the the young man who plays David, uh, Rafael Ruggiero, um, yes. he is from Minnesota, my hometown, my uh, from my hometown. I'm from Minneapolis. He's from the, the Twin Cities. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of great talent that comes out of Minnesota. I mean, I'm not talking about myself. I'm just talking about. <laughs> I, I realize well, how yourself, bad that sounds. Included. No, no, no. I, I mean, no, act, I acting talent. I'm not I, I'm just the and musicians and that sort of thing. But I, I, how did he become the the actor who would be the central part of this of this movie? One of the unique challenges of making a movie like this is. Um, you want to find actors who are not only talented, but who have the kind of personal faith foundation that can carry the message of the movie personally. Why is that important? Well, can you imagine doing a movie, um, let's say about, oh, pick a topic. Um, well, here we're talking about the story of, of, of life and the value of life and protecting it. Yeah. If the lead character turn, turns around and says, oh, my gosh you know, forced birth is just uh, an atrocity and this is all about violating women's rights. Well, we, we, that, would, that would really impact the press of the film. And so we want people who believe in what they're doing. And so that's challenging to find in Hollywood. So we scour the country and we found in Minneapolis this young man who actually heard of the audition online and he submitted a, a videotape of himself. And we saw this and I said, man, this is the guy. This is the guy who can play David. He kind of looks like him. He has a vulnerability and an authenticity that I think is going to be endearing. And so he auditioned a few times, uh, competed for the role, and he got it. Wow. And we're so happy that he that he's, he's playing David Scotton. I mean, do they, ever, do they ever worry that being a part of a faith-based film will hurt their chances in, you know, like the traditional Hollywood, you know, blockbuster kind of world? Yeah, I think that's always a concern. But whenever you start making decisions based on uh, being afraid of being canceled or being uh, excluded from a group, now you're in the popularity game. And I get that. Uh, we want our platforms to grow. We want to be successful and prosperous. But when you know, we, we learn from the Bible that uh, we're either at the end of the day living to please an audience of one who lives in heaven or we're people pleasers and our convictions are uprooted and we begin to uh, get tossed back and forth like a wave on the sea in a stormy day. That's not a good place to be. That's not stable. You lose your sense of identity and direction. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm going to stand before the one who made me and keeps my heart beating at night. And I want to be able to say, I did my best to follow you and to honor you and to bless people. I didn't do uh, or not do a part in a movie because, um, you know, the, the, the woke mob uh, said they wouldn't like me if I did it. Mm. I'm, I'm not down with that. Uh, we're going to take a break right now on, on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Uh, we're talking with Kirk Cameron about his new movie, uh, Life Mark. We'll be right back. 
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with uh, Kirk Cameron, actor Kirk Cameron, and producer and author and director, and I'm, I'm assuming all those things. Uh, we're talking about the new movie Life Mark. It is is a true story about a young man seeking out his birth um, mother who gave him up for adoption when she was uh, a teenager. And just the, the, the power of choices, the power of choices. I mean, I think really, Kirk, I mean, that, that's really um, what drove me in this movie. It's like, boy... The choice that she had to make at that mm. age and wondering if any of us, any of us would have the power to make that choice. I mean, if the easy thing, I was just listening to a sermon this morning or talking about Jesus saying narrow is the way that leads to life. You know, that yeah. it, it, narrow is the way. It's, it's a choice that says um, it's not about me anymore. Um, and I think anybody who has... You either adopted a child or given birth to a child or is involved in a child's life understands that it's not about them. But just this power of a choice, um, was that a, a scene, the idea of when she was giving that baby up, was that a difficult scene to do? Um, because I had tears all over my eyes. Yeah. There were so many uh, heart-gripping scenes, like the scene where the mother places her child into the arms of a nurse, knowing she'll never hold that baby again. At least that's what she thought, but God had a different plan. 19 years later, he connects with her, and he wants to say thank you, and that I love you. Uh, there, there, there was the scene where after they met in the driveway, she says, please come into the house. And this biological mother looks at this 19-year-old young man, and she says, did you ever hate me? Mm. And he says, no, no, no. I, I never felt that way. I was always so grateful. I couldn't wait to meet you, but I also didn't want to ever have my adoptive parents think that they were being replaced by my relationship with you. And he asked her, did you ever think of me as I was growing up? And she said, every single day. And it's just, you know, the wow. power of a choice is not just to solve uh, an inconvenient problem yeah. in the moment. This is a choice that also answers the prayers to the adoptive parents who long to have children and start a family, but cannot. In fact, they had two kids and they had congenital problems that caused those two infants to die. They thought yeah. they'd never have kids. And here, little David comes into their arms through adoption. And Lorna, I can't help it, but um, uh, it's not lost on me that Jesus himself was the result of an unplanned pregnancy yes. from Mary's human perspective. And Joseph adopted him by putting his faith in God and says, I don't understand this, but, but you're doing this. Somehow you're behind this. And uh, Moses was scheduled to be aborted by government decree. That life was to be destroyed. Yeah. And full of faith, his mother sent him down the river and he's adopted by a young woman. Who, who raises the leader of Israel and the, the father of Western civilization. I think adoption is how we get into God's family by faith. And if that's so important to God, it ought to be important to us. And LifeMark celebrates adoption because God, he puts the lonely into families. He is a father to the fatherless. He doesn't just create family. He also created adoption. Why don't more churches 
support adoption or promote adoption within their congregations. Because if every church just had, you know, five families who adopted, you know, five kids in the world. Yeah. I mean, why is adoption not part of the the culture of Christian congregations? Well, I would say um, that, first of all, I would love to see people adopting more kids because we know that true religion that pleases God is taking care of widows and orphans in their time of distress, the Bible says. Uh, but I think if we look around the world, uh, the vast majority of children who are adopted are being adopted by men and women uh, with Christian faith. It, it is the family of faith who are reaching out and adopting these orphans. Um and I think there's even documentaries that are coming out now and films about churches doing exactly what you're saying. I can't mm. remember the name of this movie, but there's one coming out where an entire church adopted all the children in their county and they no wow. longer have children in the foster care center again because one church did, as you said, stepped up to the plate okay, I have and to, said, I have to find that. Love them. I have to yes. find that church because that's <laughs> an amazing, amazing story. They're not just saying, we'll take a few off your off your hands. We're going to adopt every child. That's yeah, amazing. we're going to take care of our county. And I think that when we look at America and we say, how do we bring America to a place of a, a rebirth, a, a revival of faith and virtue? I think we need to do it uh, one family at a time, one county at a time. It's got to start at the local. Uh, that, that, that's the biblical model um, in the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, mm -hmm. God tells Moses, this starts by you getting this into your heart. You, you think about these things in your mind, then teach them to your children. Uh, uh, remind yourself of these things by putting these laws of God on your forehead, on your, on your wrists, and then tie them to the doorposts of your home. Then you go out to the city gates. And if we could start locally, we could change the entire world. That is an incredible kind of, you know, how do you change the world? Well, you raise your children and you adopt children yeah. and you create homes for um, love, loving and, and, and giving homes. That's how you create, you just change the world. Um, I mean, and who do you hope sees this movie and what do, what do you hope they take away from this movie? We made this whole movie with the entire family in mind. So it does have a PG-13 rating, which is very interesting. It has no language, no nudity, yeah. no inappropriate. But it has uh, content and themes that because a woman is choosing adoption over abortion, some people feel that, well, parents should be advising whether or not this is appropriate for their kids. Mm. Meanwhile, your, your children can take um, uh, hormone transition therapy and get surgeries without <laughs> parental consent in public schools. But if you want to talk about adoption, well, that, that, that's a little dicey. Uh, <laughs> the whole family is is uh, so subversive. This, this movie is made adoption. for the whole. Yes, the, the whole family uh, can see this movie. And what's wonderful about it is it's not only uh, stirring and heart grabbing. It's also funny and it's also got lots of action. So, you know, for the for the guys, we've got cliff jumping, skydiving, knife throwing, ATV racing and uh <laughs> And the best friend of the main character is pretty funny. So you're going to be laughing one minute, crying the next minute. And uh, I think your heart will be full as you leave the film, uh, remembering that life is a gift and it's uh, it's to be celebrated and defended. You know, one of the things that is very touching at the end is when they give 
the biological mother a book with all these letters in it from people who were thanking her, not just, you know, the parents, but, you know, the best friends and people he grew up with saying, Mm. thank you for, you know, giving me my best friend or, you know, he's so... He's so good to me. You know, he was the only one who sat next to me uh, for yeah. lunch when everybody kind of, you know, was bullying me. And he was the only it's like almost, it really brings home the yes. idea that these this life touches so many other lives that that would. Yes. Re- <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm just chiming in with yes, you. I love that. I loved that part. And and that part in the movie where the young man, be, as he's getting uh, on uh, to the train to go uh, connect with his birth mother. He first writes letters to his mom and to his dad and to his grandmother and to his grandfather to make sure that they know that they are at the center of his heart, that they will always be his mom and dad, and his grandma and his grandpa, and he's not replacing them. He's just looking to answer the questions and see what life would, would have been like if he had not been adopted. And uh, they were like, you, you, you're our grandson and and we love your birth mother because she gave us our heart's desire and she was an answer to our prayers. I mean, people don't even think about that when they're arguing over this issue uh, of, of politics. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea with Roe v. Wade and, you know, the Supreme court, you know, bringing it down. I mean, it it didn't, it didn't outlaw abortion. Just send it back to the States. And when let's, we got to be right. clear about that. But, you know, the, most a lot of people are thinking, oh, the Supreme Court just you know made abortion illegal. And no, they really didn't. But the idea that abortion is somehow this sort of right or health care or forgetting that it's about um, ending a life. And, you know, it's 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 so important. This movie really makes that statement. But one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you before we leave is really talking about how in contrast Life Mark is to every other movie that you could see in Hollywood pretty much right now or in the last 10 years, really. Um, and every time Hollywood tries to do something the least bit spiritual, they they, they inevitably get it wrong. Um, they They just can't believe there's an authority beyond their own um, conscience. And and I think that's where they get... I mean, you could just name a movie and I can kind of bring you up, you know, the idea... The, the Tarzan movie that talked about it. it is like they, have the, they have the guy, the evil guy, you know, uh, you know, fingering his, his, his rosary. Okay, you, that's pretty obvious what you're trying to say there. Um, and just the idea, why does Hollywood continue to get faith wrong? Wow. You know, <clears throat> Lauren, you know, we trying to think of the best way to answer that. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I, I come back to that story in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. the great temptation that lured our original mother and father down a dark road was the offer that you can become just like God. Rather than taking him at his word and being in right relationship under his authority, which, by the way, is always designed to lead you toward blessing, our, our desire is often to get out from underneath that authority, become our own authority, and think that we can, we can run the world better. Um, and, and when you're in Hollywood and you're rich and you're famous and you have all this influence and you're driving a nice car and living in a nice house and and you can do anything that you want. Um, 
it's it's pretty intoxicating to to wield all the power that you've got. And I think people like to tell stories that reinforce that narrative. Uh, those of us who are living in reality, however, remember that uh, we didn't put the stars in the sky. Uh, I don't keep the earth on its axis orbiting around the sun uh, so that the seasons can be counted on. Um, I don't keep my heart beating at night uh, while I'm asleep. Yeah. I'm grateful for the God who does. And if we believe that love is better than hatred, if we think that good really is more valuable than evil, then we're acknowledging there is a transcendent moral law that cannot be violated without terrible consequence. And if there's a, a law that's transcendent, there must be a transcendent lawgiver. And that's not you and me. Yeah, That's got to be the almighty. And he's the one that I want to live uh, to honor. You know, there are actually some nuggets of positivity coming out of Hollywood. I mean, individually, I mean, you've got uh, uh, Kanye West, who's kind of gone to the gospel. Uh, there is a story about Eminem, who has been talking about Jesus and against Satan. Um, then uh, yeah, Shia, La- Shia LaBeouf uh, just converted to Catholicism um, after uh, making the movie about Padre Pio. Um, I you mean, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, is this a real kind of thing? I mean, Shia LaBeouf, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Transformers fame, you know, got gazillions yeah. of dollars in the bank, and that wasn't enough, you know? Well, <clears throat> I, th- I think it's wonderful to see that uh, surprising things happen in dark places. Uh, we can look all throughout history and see that people have personal revivals, and those individuals often come from unexpected places. Sometimes it's somebody famous, but that's often rare. It's more common to find nobodies from nowhere with nothing to offer, no army, no guns, no reputation, Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing but a surrendered heart to God. And God tends to use those as his preferred methods to humble the proud and uh, demonstrate that the wisdom of the world is actually quite foolish and that God's ways are best. He uses babies in a manger. Uh, he uses, uh, you know, a prisoner in a lion's den. He uses a man crucified on a cross to destroy death itself. And I love that. Uh, it's often coming from unexpected places and unexpected ways. Yeah. Kirk Cameron, I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. It's been just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to talk with you about Life Mark, the movie. Go see it. Go check it out online and uh, see where you can buy tickets. Oh, so great to talk with you. God bless you. Keep up the great work and, and thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for you helping us spread the word about Life Mark. Well, great. Have a great, have a blessed day. Thank you. You and, too. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. God bless you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.